Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. And it is Thursday, September 8th, and we'll be chatting about movies playing from the 9th to the 15th, 2016, here at the Mayfair Theatre. Of September. <laughs> what did I say? You just said the 9th to 15th. Oh, yeah. You have to guess the month. I'm exhausted, so I might limp through this podcast a little bit. Um, it was, you know, you get you get tired when you travel, and uh, oh yeah, Gwen and I did a, a very packed little Chicago vacation uh, that was great. The Ferris Bueller tour, pretty much, yeah. Like we we hit the uh, Chicago Art Institute and the what was the Sears Tower, but it's now the Willis Tower mm-hmm. that they go up in the movie, and we went to a baseball game, and we did a bunch of other stuff too. But the uh, the Art Institute was hilarious because whenever you're visiting a city, get we got, um, it was like tourist books where you pay a bunch of money so you get tickets to all the museums and whatever. Mm-hmm. But you get to fast pass it, so you get to go to the front of the line. So we did that at the Art Institute and just didn't plan it, but just kind of made the right turn, a left turn, went up some stairs, and then bam, the painting from Ferris Bueller was right in front of us. Oh, cool. And so Gwen got to snap a Cameron shot of me. And we kind of looked around and circled back to that room half an hour later, and it had like 200 people in it. And we never would have got that shot. So it was just perfect luck, timing. Luck of the draw, yeah. And then uh, baseball game was fun. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out while we were at the baseball game going, could they have actually done this? Because if you imagine they pick up Sloan at like 9.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and they you know, go, go to lunch, do the parade, go to a baseball game, go to the tower... Uh, go to the art gallery. I think it's doable. I'm sure somebody's mapped it out online. Mm-hmm. But it would be a packed day. And then they got to be home by 6, I think it was, or something. Oh, probably earlier than 5. That. When their parents get home from work. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 But uh, anyhow, yeah. And also, you don't have to look far to, to look for like Blues Brothers stuff. Because, oh, that's right. Yeah. Because they just drove all over the city. And especially kind of certain bridges and the uh the awesome very old-fashioned looking subway uh uh, bridge that's like it runs right through the city and so you'll be walking down the street and you have the big big iron bars of the 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 uh, the bridge and the train going overhead it's very familiar from a lot of different car chase scenes that you've seen in chicago over the years and then we went it's a very nondescript building but we went to that where the climax happens after the blues brothers like are running into the the bank office or whatever it is, the, right. the real estate office. With Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. And it just looks like a building, but the thing that makes it stand out is if you remember, or next time you see Blues Brothers, there's this big, crazy statue out front, and that statue is still there. Mm-hmm. But it's right in downtown Chicago, and you're kind of sitting there on a bench looking at the building, and it's just, John Landis was a madman to think that in like the late 70s, before really anybody involved was super famous, that he got to like, do these crazy things in downtown Chicago. Well, that was a crazy production. And you can tell by watching it. It was yeah. just, like, insane. Like, all the car crashes. At the, you know, the climax of the movie, there's there's cops and horses and tanks mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, and they don't make movies like that anymore, for sure. I can't imagine what the budget of Blues Brothers would be now if they did it again with all those car crashes. and like Yeah. Like, I think it was a relatively low-budget movie back in the day. No, it went, they went over budget. Oh. They went crazy over budget, and I think it got some press because of that. Yeah. Turned out to be a huge hit. Yeah. So it was all good in the end, but it, no, it was like really over-budget, crazy production. Well, you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, besides for just like the giant cast, like 
they're they're crashing cars left, right, and center way before the age of any kind of digital effects. So they're doing it for real. Yeah. They like wreck a mall, like just all this yeah. stuff they do. Um, but it's cool. Chicago's a, a great city. It, it I've never been. It I'd love to. Feels very New York, but slightly smaller, um, and just lots to do. You know, besides for nerd stuff, there's all kinds of museums and aquariums and food and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, cool place to visit. So anyhow, I did that. Came back and and I got this freelance gig. Uh, uh, a few months ago setting up dinosaurs at the local museum mm-hmm. and now I'm tearing them down so I'm doing that all day and then like I'm working here tonight and or I'll go home and do a bunch of Mayfair making posters or whatever yeah so I'm dead and I, I was saying today like those like heroic people those the heroic like kind of cliche of the American working mum who has two jobs and I don't know how they do it because I've been doing this for like a week and I'm exhausted <laughs> yeah so, doing it all the time I, I don't know how I, I would just collapse but but I've and, and hence I have missed all the movies. I haven't seen ah. a movie in like a couple of weeks. Uh, even the stuff that we're bringing back this week, um, which is Last Cab to Darwin, the Australian drama. Yeah, which is playing as we as we speak, as, as we record, as we multitask. And Florence Foster Jenkins with uh, Meryl Streep, which had a matinee this afternoon and was fairly packed. Uh, it, it's the the Meryl Streep streak continues. Yeah. Where I think the, our 4 o'clock show sold more tickets than the 7 o'clock show yeah. or the 6.30 show. <laughs> and that never happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those two films, if you miss them, they're both... Uh, Last Cab is kind of a acclaimed Australian drama, comedic drama, I think. Mm-hmm. About a, 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 a cab driver, a, a grizzled old Australian cab driver who's told he doesn't have long to live. Mm-hmm. And goes on a last quest. And then Florence Foster Jenkins is a true story about a New York socialite who wants to be a singer and she's terrible. She's not very good. (laughs) And so kind of pays her way into a show. Um, And that's, I mean, she always gets nominated, but I've read quite a few quotes from pretty legit critics saying they think that she might get another nomination out of this one. So Uh, so that's our two returning films you could check out this week. Uh, then we have uh, an Ottawa... What do we have? Two Ottawa premieres? We have... Yeah, two. Two, yeah. Uh, one is called The Music of Strangers. With Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma, who I remember from like Sesame Street. Yeah. That's where I remember. Yeah, Mr. Rogers kind of made him a big star. Yeah, he, he did like the kid circuit. Because I remember him, if I'm not false memorying, memorying this, I remember him from like, uh, yeah, Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. kind of teaching kids about music, that kind of stuff. Um so this film is from the director of uh, 30 Feet from... 20 Feet from Stardom. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's a sequel. 30 Feet. 30 is a yeah, that's the sequel. 25 uh, Feet. Which was an amazing movie. Uh, really interesting kind of behind-the-scenes of music movie. Yeah, the backup singers for, like, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I really liked it. I had an attachment to it because I, I, I grew up on David Letterman. I love David Letterman. Mm-hmm. And Darlene Love, who's one of the kind of central characters in yeah. the documentary... Uh, performed on Letterman every Christmas and a couple other times a year, and uh, so she's kind of the 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 fame to rags to riches story in in Stardom. Mm-hmm. So this is a a very different documentary, but still music themed uh, about a bunch of musicians of various backgrounds. It's uh, cellist Yo Yo Ma and other international artists of the Silk Road Project. Yes, talking about uh, music. Yeah, and so it's, uh, 
another film, another film, two in a row that I'll mention that again. I've read that they think it might be up for uh, the the documentary. It's it's crazy. I keep on thinking it's too early because usually people, usually distributors and film studios backload their Oscar type films. Well, we're getting to that time now. We're getting that, now there, that summer's yeah. over. We're getting into the Oscar prestige. Kind of, yeah, September season. October. Usually it's like. December, like there'll be a half dozen movies released on like Christmas Day. And yeah. <laughs> those are the kind of Oscar bait movies. Uh, but yeah, so Music to Strangers, Music of Strangers is one of our premieres this week. Uh, the other is called Tunnel. And Tunnel we got because we screened a South Korean film. Two of them. Two of them recently. That did really well. What was the other one? The one with the zombie one? Uh, there was uh, The Wailing, which oh, was... Oh, The Wailing. Uh, yeah, I missed that one. I, I missed both of them, but they were both horror films. The Wailing. Yeah. And Train to Busan, yeah. which was the zombies on a train picture. Train to Busan. Which did really well. Oh, it was great. And it was very interesting where um, when a bunch of people show up who you've never seen before, I always want to be like, where did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. And I think, I still haven't looked into it, but I, I think either a South a Korean um, community group here in town yeah. or something, because there was a lot of Korean folks here that yeah. night. And yep. a lot who were here for the first time because I could see them kind of looking around and, and, and very nice, very enjoying the theater and going, oh, it's an old style theater. Mm-hmm. So on the on the heels of those two films doing well, we, we just randomly booked another South yep. Korean film. And this is more of a uh, drama thriller, I guess, mm-hmm. almost akin to um, maybe kind of the James Franco movie where he's stuck in a rock. You know, this is a guy stuck in a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, I think it does have a little bit of comedic edge to it too, but yeah, it's it's a kind of a drama about a uh, a man who's trapped in a tunnel that collapses on his car um, when he's on the way to his daughter's birthday party. Oh, that sucks. And then uh, it says rescue efforts begin, uh, and stuff starts going horribly wrong, and he's stuck in there as kind mm-hmm. of comedic and dramatic things happen outside. Uh, but yeah, like it, it it is an example of. Of, we're able to book things that get good support, and the distributor sees that it's profitable for them. We get more opportunities to screen movies that you would like. This movie Tunnel, you'll never see that anywhere else. Nope. You're, you're going to be lucky if that hits, you know, Netflix and 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 Canadian Blu-ray. You know, it's it's not going to be an easy to see picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so if you're looking for something different and something you haven't seen on the big screen before. Uh, come and check out Tunnel um, and then maybe we'll get more South Korean films in the near future yeah there's definitely this uh, this new audience for them yeah so. and uh, yeah Korean thrillers are, have been pretty great I, I saw a few uh, in Fant- at Fantasia when I went I haven't gone in a couple of years mm-hmm. but I love they're, they're very different but I love Asian cinema whether it be um Thai, Korean, Japanese, like, and they're all very different, especially their horror films are different, their thrillers or action films are a bit different. Sometimes you'll see a comedy and there's just stuff that, and I'm sure vice versa, they might watch like a Steve Martin movie and be like, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's great that we're being given the opportunity more and more to show international films that are really something you've never seen before. And speaking of international, we have another... Uh, we just showed In Order of Disappearance, which was a Norwegian revenge thriller. Yes. Um, and we have another Norwegian, but it's a Norwegian-Canadian co-production. Okay. It's called uh, Heaven. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. It's H-E-V-N. I think it's Heaven. Yeah. Uh, 
Revenge, uh, translated as Revenge. And this is another uh, Norwegian revenge thriller. That's funny. We're, we're going to start being like a South Korean, Norwegian yeah. grindhouse cinema. <laughs> um, this is, I think, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and again, I, like I said, I apologize because I'm behind because I haven't slept in a couple weeks. But um, yeah, like a, it is a revenge film mm-hmm. uh, with a, a female lead uh, where it's a young woman whose sister dies and she blames, uh, she blames a man for her de- uh, her sister's death, and then um, embeds herself in this guy's family, and then mm. I think starts to to mess with them. Ah, starts, cool. Starts so to tear them very apart. Very psychological. Seems like a very like almost like a nineteen seventies kind of revenge kind of. I, I I don't know if it's a horror film per se, but definitely kind of a psychological mm-hmm. thriller. Um. But yeah, so that's coming up uh, this week for a couple of late shows. Yep, Saturday at 9 and Monday at 8.45. I want to see that one. I hope I can see that one. <laughs> the Saturday morning cartoons are back. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, they're all ready to go. Uh, again, I'm behind, but I'm, I've got a bunch of cereal boxes. I'm going tomorrow night, Friday, to buy the rest. So we'll have like 50 boxes of cereal for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, if you haven't been before, it's super fun. It's uh, approximately three hours, a little under three hours of obscure old Saturday morning cartoons, some of which you may be familiar with, some of which... So it's stuff like, like it's not Looney Tunes, it's stuff no. like Super Friends and Spider-Man. And yeah, kind of the stuff you would see on Saturday mornings back in the 70s, 80s, a lot of it yeah. is. Um, but a lot of it, like, I, I'm always fascinated that, you know, I, I can, my friend teased me today because I jokingly called him a nerd. And he's like, you're a branded nerd. You have Ninja Turtles on your tattooed on your arm. You're, and you have a Firefly, Firefly yeah, shirt. I'm wearing a, at any given time, I'm wearing a Firefly or a Nerdist or a Star <laughs> Wars shirt. So, um, But sometimes, like whether you're like a, a, a film enthusiast or a music enthusiast or a cartoon enthusiast, you think you've seen it all. And then a little festival like this will play some early 70s cartoon that you've never heard of. And there's been a few like this over the... the, the the eight or so times that we've had one of these little mini festivals. And it's fascinating. Like there was just Hanna-Barbera made so many cartoons Mm. and a lot of them only lasted like a season or half a season. So there was like a lot of them aren't, aren't readily available on like DVD. A lot of them never kind of made the, the rerun circuit on cartoon network or YTV or anything like that. Mm. And so on top of that, which is super fun, uh, the programmer also puts in, uh, little like we'll be right back bumpers and little educational things or you, you know those things where it was like Michael J. Fox telling you to look both ways before you cross the street or uh, well these they didn't air these on Saturday morning but those don't smoke crack or say no to yeah. drugs ones with that they did one with Pee Wee Herman like this is crack I think there's been a couple of those there 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 was the the <laughs> they the, the, they uh, showed those in theaters I think, yeah those ones I, I remember on this one there was like the iconic like it was somebody it was like a a VJ of the day or somebody, somebody yeah. that the kids knew back in 85. And they, it was the whole, like, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's supposed to be this, like, harsh, serious commercial. And the audience is just laughing at it. Yeah. You know? um, they haven't aged well. There was one. <laughs> these commercials. And it was um, Anthony Perkins doing a cereal commercial. Oh, for... Um, oatmeal yeah, crisp. Like, unofficially in the guise of Norman Bates. He never says it's Norman Bates, but he's, like, dressed like, kind of using the voice, you know. And I'm like, what target audience is that? Because especially back then, 
not as many adults woke up on Saturday morning to watch cartoons. So in like 1971, mm-hmm. it's it's kids who maybe probably haven't seen Psychos. There's some weird guy. It's trying a pretty to... innocent commercial. Like, it it's is, not yeah. scary. It's just you know by then I think it's the kind of thing that if a parent saw it they might get the joke. Yeah, but otherwise. Speaking of Anthony Perkins, there's a he did a Japanese cologne commercial. Oh yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. It's kind of it's pretty goofy. It's just it's him walking down the street with this girl, and these rollerbladers come between them, so they like lift their. It's just this goofy little like thirty second thing, but yeah. it's on YouTube and it's got like a really goofy song to it. Is that still a thing? Do do celebrities in this age of internet and we all know everything? Do celebrities still go over to Japan and do like? Uh, probably ads. big bucks in that because that was a whole like lost in translation yeah. thing no that's definitely a thing like like whiskey commercials or cologne commercials and They're, it'd be somebody who would never do an ad here no they'd never do an ad here but they go to japan and do this crazy goofy ad and get paid like you know yeah i don't know how much in u.s dollars but a lot of money yeah like, nicholas cage did a bunch of them and yeah harrison ford did one where he's in a sauna Forget what it was for. It's crazy. Usually it has nothing to do with the product. Well, especially if they were doing it back in like, you know, the 80s or early 90s, a lot of them are harder to get a hold of. But nowadays with the internet, it's all there. Like it's not as easy to kind of protect your career or whatever or try to be upper class about it. You're like, yeah, if you do a dog food commercial in Japan, yeah. we're going to see it. Like, Well, in the age of YouTube, you know, they're not safe from North American exposure. Like yeah. I think back in the 80s, they could do them. Uh, and Americans would be none the wiser because they'd never air yeah. in, in North America. So they were like, oh, no one will see this outside of Japan. So I remember being a, yeah, ooh, no, I don't know, junior high, maybe grade school, but a kid had a bunch of Japanese comic books, and there was ads in it. And it was right around when Jodie Foster was doing, like, Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. And there was an ad for, like, a car company, and it just had random English words. It had, like, banana, bluebird, happy, jumping jacks. Mm-hmm. And it's because they think our text looks cool, and we think their text looks cool. And I'm sure a lot of times if you're reading an American comic book and they're doing, like, Chinatown, it's just random caricatures put in. But it was Jodie Foster right when she was, like, Oscar-winning all this stuff, and it was just her standing in front of a car, selling a car. Mm -hmm. She probably got, like, a million bucks for that to fly to Japan and stand in a you know, stand around for a couple hours. There's there's one with Charles Bronson. For, it's Magnum Cologne. Oh, yeah. It's a really cool ad. It's from, like, 1973 or something. It's on YouTube. It's yeah. priceless. But now now some of the celebrities are starting to do American ads because, like, Matthew McConaughey's doing those, like, yeah, he does the, yeah, I saw one last night. He's doing the Lincoln ad where he's talking to his dogs. It, they're, they're so weird you think they're, like, a sketch. Like, they could be a yeah. Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. Like, use the exact same dialogue and the exact same thing. Put like Will Ferrell driving the car instead of Matthew McConaughey, and it will be a Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, but yeah, so he's he's doing stuff still. But so anyhow, yeah. So on these Saturday morning cartoons, you'll get um, a whole bunch of cartoons, uh, some favorites, some you've never heard of before, a bunch of fun commercials. And what's cool about it is it's a bit different than watching a movie uh, or even like a double bill because, mm-hmm. say, if one of the cartoons comes up and you don't really want to watch it, it's only going to be like twenty twenty two minutes. So that'll mm-hmm. give you time to. Take a bathroom break. Go get some popcorn. You more know, cereal. More cereal. Yeah. Refill on the cereal. Um, so yeah, so it, it's a it's a you know a bit more laid back. Uh, people wear pajamas. I, I find adults wear pajamas more than the kids do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's always a, a fun event, and this is the ninth one I think. Um, we always get asked, oh, you should do it more. You should do it once a month. But it's always that kind of you know. Don't. Well, it's good that we don't do it too often. Yeah. Is that 
helps create anticipation for it. Yeah, and plus the programmer, I don't think, does it that often. Uh, this time she was doing a program for a Toronto guys, maybe even like TIFF or something, mm-hmm. I don't know. But she, that's what these are. Like the, the programmer gets them all together, uh, figures out all the, the distribution stuff, gives them to us, and we get to play them. But uh, yeah, if we did it once a week, I just think it would... Yeah, it would just lessen it, and, and plus it's not that easy. Like, usually we can get them from her, like, every three, four months or so. But mm-hmm. um, So maybe another one around Christmas or early New Year or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we have that on Saturday morning, and then Saturday night... The Room. The Room, I think number 84. I forget. It's not, it's not the... My little poster isn't on the uh, our little flyer mm-hmm. that has the number tagged on it, but I think it's 84, 85. The trailer keeps disappearing from our website because um, it's back on there, yeah. but it disappeared twice because it's one of those, you know, th- this video has been removed oh. from copyright claim from Tommy Wiseau Films. Weird. Which is weird because it's like, don't you want your trailer for your movie on YouTube? We're, we're advertising, like, yeah, that's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Tommy's not the best at... <laughs> you know distribution ideas but um yeah so this is room it was whatever whatever the math is last month was like we're we're, we're into our seventh year of screening it monthly mm-hmm. or past our seventh year and i haven't kept up with the no the amount of screenings it's hard to people keep coming and it's 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 uh people keep coming and there's i'm very curious what's going to happen when the Franco movie comes out. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that's coming out. There's no trailer yet. No, it's, um, it's, it should, could be any time now. It's done, um, right? Yeah. And it has a distributor. I think Lionsgate. I, I think it's New Line or in New the Line? States. So, New Line, Warner Brothers, whatever. And it's not going to not get a distributor because even if it's a smaller film, it's got James Franco and mm-hmm. Seth Rogen and a whole bunch of people. I think involved. Brian Cranston's in it. Brian Cranston, yeah. yeah. So the, all the, I, a lot of that gang is in it. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's even if it's like a smaller film compared to say the Seth Rogen, James Franco, Pineapple Express kind of thing, mm-hmm. I still think it's going to be profitable for them because I don't think it cost them very much to make, and the the book was very well received, and I think it'll get a lot of buzz, like you know Rolling Stone, Entertainment Weekly, all these guys will write about it, and if anything, it's it's too bad that if Tommy doesn't embrace this, uh, because I think it's just going to bring more people in to see the room. Mm-hmm. Because say, say if the if the the disaster artist, which I think they're not calling it that, it's something different. I think I think it's called the masterpiece now. The masterpiece. Greg Sestero's book is called the disaster artist. That's the basis for the movie, but they've changed it to the masterpiece. Yeah. So like say, which is a better title for the film, I think. Yeah. So say masterpiece comes out in December. Um, by December, January, there'll be a bunch of more people who have who have yeah. never heard of the room before or have kind of heard about it you know, from friends or oh, whatever, yeah. who will want to come see it. And I remember uh, I was in film school when, uh, was it, when um, Ed Wood came out. Mm-hmm. And all the rep houses, it was back in the day when there was a good, like, half dozen rep houses in Vancouver. And they all played Ed Wood movies. So it, it really, you know, and there was books written about it, and there was, mm-hmm. you know, people talking about it on the you know, TV shows and people talk about a magazine. So if anything, he's smart. This is going to get more people ordering the movie online and, and, and coming to see mm-hmm. it here. Yep. Um, so if I was him, I would like embrace it. Cause I don't think they're 
it's kind of Ed Wood style. Like, I think they're pointing out that he's eccentric and crazy. Yeah, I think it's going to be a comedy. I don't think it's mean, though. I don't think it's going to be... No, I mean, like, clearly they, they, you know, there's. I'm sure there's a... Fa- Craig Sestero, I think, has seen it. Oh, okay. And he says it's really good. Yeah. And he's he wrote the book. Yeah. Lee was pointing out to me, our programmer, it's like, if the writer of the book yeah. that the movie's based on, if he likes the film, that says a lot. Because usually that's not the case. Yeah, and who knows? Like, with, like a lot of times, especially the screenplay category, some weird stuff sneaks in there and you'll get stuff uh, like Ed Wood or you'll get some indie films, you know. I, I thought last year Tangerine had a shot because it got so much buzz of mm-hmm. at least getting like a screenplay nomination. Yeah. So who knows? I think the funniest thing in the world would be if this movie gets like a screenplay, adapted screenplay nomination. So like what many people consider to be this like movie so bad it's good. Yeah. If the movie based on it behind the scenes of it ends up getting critical acclaim and some some awards that'll be supremely ironic mm-hmm. and very interesting uh, but we'll just have to see people keep asking us about it and we just it's just like we don't know like we we don't know yep. yet we don't know if we're going to have to butt heads about Tommy saying <laughs> that'll be interesting when we're we not get allowed to, that to show point. it yeah um, i mean there was even problems with room room and the room yep just because it was so similar and didn't want it on our marquee at the same time. But uh, I think, I think you know, showing it and then, you know, if we show it during the week and then show The Room on the Saturday night, I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see, keep our fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, and so if you miss The Room this month, it'll be back in October. I don't think we have a date set for that yet, but it'll be back for its next month. Um, along with next month, of course, we're, we're already, we've booked a couple of films for the Halloween season uh, and our usual tradition of Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, will be back in, it'll be back another day in September already. So September, I think it's like September 24th, whatever the Saturday is September for Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. And then in October, about a month later. I think it's the 17th. The 17th? is Rocky Horror, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the 17th. So 17th of September is uh, Rocky Horror. If you want to come see a show that will be slightly less crazy than the Halloween show, come check that one out. But if you want to see Rocky Horror as as the gods intended it to be seen, come and see it at uh, Halloween where we'll have six screenings over three days, all hosted by our friends at the Absent Friends Shadowcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dress up and yep. bring all the appropriate uh, accoutrement. Yep. And then, uh, what do we, I think we, did we talk about 31 yet? Can't remember. Uh, I believe we did. Yeah. yeah the new so, Rob Zombie movie. That's, so we have that movie for Halloween. We have two premieres uh, that we haven't talked about oh, yet. Yeah. Um, one really fancy. Yeah, fancy red carpet. And one more uh, genre. Yeah. Um, on September 16th, we have the Ottawa premiere of A Tale of Love and Darkness, starring Natalie Portman. And that's interesting because it's, it's in Hebrew with English subtitles. Mm-hmm. which I didn't realize until I kind of watched the trailer and then looked it up. But So yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, Natalie Portman, who is Jewish, and she's this is her, her feature directorial debut. She's done a few shorts. Oh, oh, okay. And so she adapted the screenplay from the, the book and kind of triple-threaded this. She wrote the screenplay, is starring in it, uh, and directed it. And, um, and it, you know, it seems like an Oscar-type film for sure. These, these movies will be starting to hit us more and more coming up. Uh, I love Natalie Portman, and I don't think I've seen her in a little while. 
I can't think of the last mm. time. She did a Western that we tried to get, but we couldn't yeah, get. Yeah, Jane got a gun. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to get it. It was her and Ewan McGregor. Uh, but we just couldn't get a hold of that one. And um, and totally un- <laughs> unrelated yeah, yeah. is the uh, one night only Ottawa premiere of Kickboxer Vengeance. I I don't know how this happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, the star of the film, a uh, man named Alain Moussi. I think oh, so. Yeah. Uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name. I believe he's an Ottawa native. Yeah, so I guess that's the connection, is I don't know... And he wanted to premiere the film here. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, so he's an Ottawa native. He's If you look at his resume on IMDb... Pretty impressive. done a bunch of stunt stuff for yeah. some pretty big movies. Like Suicide Squad and... Yeah, and I think uh, one of the X-Men films mm-hmm. and a bunch of kind of big action stuff that's yeah. filmed around Canada. Uh, and on top of that, he's starting to get in front of the camera. And so this is... Um, I was confused. I thought it was a sequel, but it's kind of a reboot of the cult classic Kickboxer. With Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's in this film, but I don't think he's playing the no. character he played in the original Kickboxer. I think I think um, Alain is playing the character that Jean-Claude played in the original. Oh, okay. Which is weird, because you think they could just be like, I'm a new character, and Jean-Claude's playing the Jean-Claude guy. But I think Jean-Claude's <laughs> playing like a Mr. Miyagi kind of okay. trainer guy. Uh, almost like a Rocky Balboa, maybe like kind of, kind of going that um, characterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I did notice is the uh, the other one is already done. That there's a follow up film called Kickboxer, a different subtitle. Yeah, and it's it's post production. Like it, so they 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 had the financing to do two films uh, right away. They probably I bet nowadays I bet you they probably had a lot of pre sales on various television stuff. And, yeah, probably. But it's. Uh, but this has Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and uh, Gina Carano, so, so some uh, George St. Pierre, so and some MMA superstars. Gina was in um, Steven Sonnenberg's Haywire, Haywire yeah. which I loved. Uh, and she's and, done a couple other smaller action films. Yeah, and I didn't realize until, again, I was looking at her IMDb like, like yesterday that she was in Deadpool. I didn't even realize she was the... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah she was like one of the villains. Yeah, yeah, but I thought she was great in, in Haywire. And mm. so this this kickboxer film is kind of fun because it's definitely a kind of nostalgic 1980s... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kickboxer. Uh, but um, the star will be in attendance to introduce the film. Uh, I think they're doing the whole like red carpet treatment. There'll be media here. So it'll be, it'll be a fun night. And that's, uh, yeah, like we said, just one night only. So do come mm. and check that out. That'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about... I think we're about done. I think we've covered everything. Cool. We can go and get ready for the next show. Continue to do our jobs. Continue to work. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. Go check out our friends House of Targ across the street. Uh, I think we mentioned it last time. They have a new uh, Dirty Harry. They have Dirty Harry. Which is awesome. And uh, check... I finished listening. uh, Audible.com slash Mayfair Theater. AudibleTrial.com slash Mayfair Theatre Podcast. Uh, Log on to there and you can get a free audiobook on us. Yeah. And uh, I bet you there's... Oh, well, again, we're always talking about The Room. Go listen to to Greg Sestero's uh, book, uh, which is I know is available because I've listened to it. And uh, Greg reads it. And uh, it's... it's, uh, Even if... To be honest, even if you're not really interested in a so bad it's good movie, it's a fascinating read of a guy who stumbles onto what he thinks is going to be his big break and things go crazy. And uh, so, yeah, that's a very good book. Uh, Greg Sestero's The Disaster Artist, which is available 
for you to listen to. And um, yeah, so we'll see you next week. I'll get some sleep. I'll be more awake. <laughs> and uh, yeah, come out. We'll see you. Hopefully, see you at cartoons. Hopefully, see you at the room. And uh, hopefully, see you at Kickboxer and all the other. Come cool to stuff Kickboxer. We have. Don't miss it. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you later. <laughs>